Hey, and welcome to The Living Stone, a digital ministry from Greystone Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Here's this week's scripture reading and sermon. Today's scripture comes from Genesis 33, 1 through 17. Now Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming and 400 men with him. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two maids. He put the maids with their children in front, then Leah with her children, and Rachel and Joseph last of all. He himself went on ahead of them, bowing himself to the ground seven times until he came near his brother. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. When Esau looked up and saw the women and children, he said, Who are these with you? Jacob said, The children whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the maids drew near, they and their children, and bowed down. Leah likewise and her children drew near and bowed down, and finally Joseph and Rachel drew near, and they bowed down. Esau said, What do you mean by all this company that I met? Jacob answered, To find favor with my Lord. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. Jacob said, No, please, if I find favor with you, then accept my present from my hand. For truly to see your face is like seeing the face of God, since you have received me with such favor. Please accept my gift that is brought to you because God has dealt graciously with me and because I have everything I want. So he urged him and he took it. Then Esau said, Let us journey on our way and I will go alongside you. But Jacob said to him, My Lord knows that the children are frail, and that the flocks and herds which are nursing are a care to me. And if they are overdriven for one day, all the flocks will die. Let the Lord pass on ahead of his servant, and I will lead on slowly, according to the pace of the cattle that are before me, and according to the pace of the children, until I come to my Lord in Seir. So Esau said, Let me leave with you some of the people who are with me. But he said, Why should my Lord be so kind to me? So Esau returned that day on his way to Seir. But Jacob journeyed to Succoth and built himself a house and made booths for his cattle. Therefore, the place is called Succoth. The word of God for the people of God. People say the world is now more divided than ever. Though we all claim to want the same things, the methods of getting there tend to be quite different. And most attempts to talk things out and problem solve quickly devolve into argument, making us wonder if restoration is even possible. The situation is so dire that some cultural analysts are saying there's only one thing or maybe I should say one person that we can all agree about. You've heard me say it once before, but it's been a couple of years. Does anybody remember who it is? Well, it's Dolly Parton, of course. (laughs) Dolly is one of the most generous people on the planet, materially speaking. She has given away millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of books. She has donated to innumerable causes, She even helped fund the vaccine during the COVID crisis of 2020. She embodies generosity, 
where her money is concerned. She recognizes that having everything doesn't mean anything when others around her are suffering. But that is not the story about Dolly that I want to tell today. This story is about a different kind of generosity, the seeds of which must have been planted along the way by a divine sower, as Dolly gave away many pieces of her material wealth. In 2018, in light of the new racial awareness that so many in our country were experiencing, Dolly had her own awakening of sorts. Now, Dolly is as Southern as they come, right? A daughter of rural Tennessee, a champion of Southern culture and Southern pride. But in 2018, Dolly began to realize that the name of her dinner theater, which was then called the Dixie Stampede, was more than just a romantic glorification of the past for people like her with Southern roots but that it was, in many cases, a painful reminder of plantation life and the horrors inflicted upon African-American slaves for generations. Quickly and without hesitation, Dolly changed the name of her two dinner theaters, dropping the word Dixie altogether and replacing it with her own name, Dolly Parton's Stampede. When interviewed about the change, Dolly said it plain and simple. There's such a thing as innocent ignorance, she claimed. And so many of us are guilty of that. When they said Dixie was an offensive word, I thought, well, I don't want to offend anyone, so we'll just call it the stampede. When you realize there's a problem, she continued, you just fix it. Now remember, Dolly is as Southern as they come, and I am certain that there were things about the word Dixie that resonated with her and probably even informed her very identity. Southern is who she was and who she is. But when she heard that it was hurtful to others, she became willing to give it away. It was a grand gesture of self-giving that has the potential to become a support beam in the proverbial bridge that may one day span the chasm of racial division in this country. Time will tell. But in that moment, Dolly gave something of herself for the sake of a neighbor. It seems that she had learned today's lesson, which is simply put... The gift is in the giving. The gift is in the giving. The Bible is filled with stories like this, tales of division and restoration. In fact, one could argue that the grand narrative of the whole Bible is a collection of stories of division and restoration. One big story made up of smaller stories, all pointing us into the same direction toward shalom, which means peace, wholeness, the restoration of all things. 
Today's reading is one such story, a small story held within the context of a larger story of God's restorative work in this world, bringing healing where we thought healing would not be possible. But it doesn't come freely. No, everyone involved will have to give a little bit of themselves away, each for the sake of the other. Everyone will have to learn that the gift is in the giving. Now, Jacob and Esau always had a healthy rivalry. Some might say that neither child was to blame, but that their relationship was doomed from the beginning because of the family dynamics and the social and economic systems into which they were born. Remember the ancient inheritance laws, which stated the elder would gain everything as the birthright, leaving the younger forever at his mercy. Now, what younger child would appreciate that? Especially in the case of twins. I mean, you'd be so close. The story of these infamous twin brothers began under the shadow of prophecy even before they were born. The words from Genesis that their mother heard were this, two nations are in your womb and two peoples born of you shall be divided. One shall be stronger than the other. The elder shall serve the younger. Now that's a plot twist. You can imagine that any pregnancy that began under the shadow of such words would be a difficult one, and the text says that it is so. Jacob and Esau were known to wrestle in their mother's womb. That couldn't have felt very good. And then the birthing moment arrived, and Esau came first, but his heel was in the hand of his brother. Do you remember the stories? From the earliest moments of their lives, Esau was his father's favorite, while Jacob was his mother. Esau was hairy. Jacob's skin was said to be smooth. Esau spent his days hunting while Jacob was tending the sheep. They truly couldn't have been more different, and no one, at least as far as the biblical story is concerned, no one in the family was interested in mediating their conflict. No, Isaac and Rebecca kept to their sides with their favorite child right up until the end when Isaac was literally on his deathbed. Esau was out on the hunt when Rebecca and Jacob cooked up their plan, and they were successful in tricking Esau and the father out of the inheritance. Once everything unfolded and Esau understood that he had been duped, his heart was filled with anger. And since Esau was indeed the stronger of the brothers, Jacob knew he only had one option, and that was to take everything and run away. So he left and he fled to his uncle Laban's house where he would seek refuge for two decades where he would take wives, then have children. He would build his own legacy there through trickery, yes, and hard work, a combination of the two. The story of Laban, the uncle, and Jacob is as complicated as the sibling rivalry between Jacob and Esau, but we're going to have to set that one aside and deal with it another day. For today, let it suffice to say that over time, Jacob realized It was time for him to leave again, time for him to go home, 
Time for him to take his wives and their servants who had been given to him as surrogates. Time to gather up all the children, all the flocks that he had bred and raised as his own. Time to take everything that he had and everything that he had any claim to and return to the land of his father, Isaac. Only one problem, though. Esau was still there. Without telegram or telephone or even text message, Jacob had no way to know how Esau was dealing with his anger. And so he sent some messengers out ahead with gifts, elaborate gifts, like donkeys and oxen and even house laborers. Jacob sent word that Esau could have it all if only he would forgive him for his transgression. Well, the messengers returned saying, we found your brother, we spoke to him, and he's coming to meet you with 400 men. Jacob was afraid, and so he prayed to God for a blessing and a miracle. Do you remember the story? He prayed to God for a blessing and a miracle, and then he divided his flocks and his family, hoping that at least some of them would survive the certain attack. Then he gathered up one, uh, more of his flock, some camels, some coats, some uh, camels, colts, and cows this time, and then he sent them on ahead, another gift, so to speak, another peace offering for his distant brother. And once everyone had departed, everyone in their place, the peace offering up ahead, the families divided and, and off on the side, Jacob found himself truly alone, probably for the first time in a long time. He found himself truly alone, and in his solitude, he prayed again and tried to find some sleep. But that night, a man came and wrestled with him. Their struggle lasted all through the night and left Jacob with a hip injury and a limp that he would carry with him for the rest of his days. Stubborn as a bull, Jacob still refused to let the stranger go without first receiving a blessing and the name of this mysterious opponent. You shall no longer be called Jacob, he replied, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Filled with awe and wonder, Jacob rose and named the place Peniel, which means face of God, because it was there in that place that he did encounter God. Now, all of this is backstory. All of this is backstory. It is context for the faithful encounter contained in today's 17 verses. It is why the meeting between these twin brothers is filled with so much anxiety and anticipation. After decades of distance and disdain, Jacob and Esau finally see one another at the break of the horizon. And all of us who have journeyed for the last 20 or 30 years with these brothers are one wondering what's going to happen. Was the divine wrestling match simply a precursor to the all-out war which waits ahead when these two finally meet? What is going to happen? Jacob is undoubtedly afraid when he sees the 400 men that he's heard about lining up behind his brother Esau, the ones that his servants had warned him about. 
But in a rare moment of bravery, he staggers out. Remember, with his new injury and his new limp, Jacob staggers out in front of his own men, and he does the most unexpected and utterly uncharacteristic thing. He bows. Not one time, but seven times in front of his brother. This brazen act of humility is an embodied confession. It is a gift far greater than any of those other gifts that he had sent on before. This was a gift of servitude. It was a gift of self. Jacob had wronged Esau all those years ago. He had stolen his inheritance, and perhaps more significantly, he had broken the most important relationship that he would ever have, and for what? Some material gain? Well, now he had come to to give it all back, all of his wealth, all of his flocks, everything that he had, including his own self, offering himself as a servant to his brother. Now, as Esau sees Jacob's figure breaking the horizon, he too has a reaction. He runs, runs toward his brother, a very undignified move in the ancient world, one that we will see again in Luke's gospel when the the father runs toward the prodigal. Esau runs toward Jacob and embraces him, a hug so hard that the two fall to the ground, almost as if they were wrestling as Jacob wrestled with the angel. Esau collapses onto Jacob's neck and kisses him before both brothers begin to weep. It is a beautiful moment of restoration, one chapters and lifetimes and generations in the making. Jacob deserves to be beaten by Esau just as he deserves to be beaten by God. But instead, Esau generously offers a gift, a gift of his own the gift of forgiveness. Two brothers, deeply entrenched on opposite sides of what seemed like an impassable divide. Two pawns, each playing their part in the systems of inequity that led to the whole birthright debacle in the first place. Two human beings Caught in a tangled web of time and story, two brothers realizing that with God's help, the restoration of their relationship was the most valuable gift at all. Two brothers who learned the true gift is in the giving The story of Jacob and Esau, their sibling rivalry, the systems that contributed to it, and the nations that were born from it. This story has innumerable parallels and applications for us today as we struggle to overcome divides that are tens or hundreds or maybe even thousands of years in the making. But in light of the journey that we have been on for recent weeks, In light of our journey examining stewardship and generosity and our money story, the thing that sticks out today is that the gift is in the giving. 
The gift is in the giving, and we can see it plain as day once we begin to untangle ourselves from the economics of Pharaoh, if you remember several weeks ago, if we can truly recognize that there is, in fact, enough for all of us if we just share. Once we release our grip on the things that we have and begin to use our resources to reimagine a different future together with God, we soon learn that the true gift isn't what we give. The gift is the giving. The gift isn't what we give. The gift is in the act of giving because as we give, we ourselves are transformed just as those brothers were transformed. As we give, we surrender our citizenship in Pharaoh's world of scarcity and anxiety, and we begin to put on our new clothes, to use the words of Paul in the New Testament, putting on the garment of Christ and starting to live in the economy of God. Giving makes us more generous people with our money, with our resources, and with the more valuable gifts like the gift of time, the gifts of presence, the gift of Grace, the gift of understanding, the gift of confession, and the gift of forgiveness. And y'all, as these gifts begin to freely flow, reconciliation begins to become possible. Relationships can be restored. The gift is in the giving. And if we want to be a more loving people, a more welcoming people, a more Christ-like people, then we must first become a more generous people. People who have learned that by giving our whole selves, people who've learned that by giving our whole selves, working together with God, we might begin to just do a little bit of healing in our world, healing the brokenness that we see, and maybe beginning to reimagine a different way of living together, one that restores all kinds of broken relationships. But first, we must learn to give. A little here, a little there, until one day, little by little, we might look back and see that along the way, we ourselves have been restored. Because, friends, the true gift is in the giving. Amen.